Today is December 5th, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki Naganago Mekoche Chestokom Oki or Dekots Nagotine Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Kinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, says Michelle Elliott, an English name that has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey um, Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post Status Card by the Canadian government says uh, Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution. So, uh, you know, that that is a, an interesting construct that's been imposed here with colonialism and having that now, um, having both anyway. So Canadian policies are meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit and the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socio-economic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. According to the 2023 Quality of Life report from the Calgary Foundation, 31% of racialized Calgarians cannot find suitable employment. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I can just share my journey. I am not a journalist. I am a pissed off mom tired of the lack of media representation. As a woman, a Dene woman who has attempted to run, join harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions, just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow for incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples. I have worked to continue, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all this today and hope we honor the many Indigenous lives lost for the so-called country named Canada. I hope you see your role in stopping harm and as a citizen, see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride Month should never just be one month. It is important to understand that the straight agenda uh, and gender violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with their acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, and how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement. So we as Indigenous peoples know how safe you are to be around. If you won't pronounce your local Indigenous nation's name, won't say your pronouns, your story of origin, acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression or your role in reconciliation. I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. 
Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town, settler town you're from, you show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. I highly recommend Jesse Winty's book, Unreconciled. It explains it perfectly, as do many other Indigenous authored books. And my 2024 list is now out, so I hope you join me. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism, but it would be a part of treaty understanding, meaningful reconciliation, and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the opposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands most recently signed Treaty 7 in 1877 with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Good Stony, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. Uh, I am not sponsored, so my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. You can also give a review, whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe, and you can go to nativecalgaria.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So today I was going to discuss Palestine. Uh, this is a very difficult conversation. So for folks who maybe aren't in a mental place in order to be able to discuss this, I strongly recommend not listening to this episode at this time. I will not get into uh, deep conversations about graphic pictures, but I will be talking about uh, war and genocide, and that's very heavy content for my, especially my Indigenous listeners. Uh, Indigenous people should not have to be subjected to so much genocide while uh, going ongoing genocide is happening to us. So I highly recommend that uh, those who have capacity listen, but if you can't, I respectfully understand, and uh, I hope you have a wonderful holiday so the situation in Gaza is rapidly deteriorating. Um, so I want to start by talking about what trauma, being trauma-informed is. And uh, what I do have with me is um, a mental health book for those concerned about Palestine. So I'm just going to, uh, I, I put that out on my social media months ago when the conflict first started, and I offered to send anyone uh, this PDF, and quite a few folks did take me up on it. So if you want a copy of this, it's 34 pages. You can go straight to the Stanford Muslim Mental Health and Islamic Psychology Psychological Lab. They are the people who put this together, uh, Maristan. That's who put this together. So, and and they just so nicely put this uh, 34 pages together. I thought I'd start with this trigger warning and the, the disclaimer that they have. Uh, this document discusses genocide, 
and other possible traumatic topics. Please take care of your mental health while reading. If you find yourself feeling distressed, please take a break and talk to someone you trust or reach out for uh, professional help. The authors of this document do not assume responsibility for the content or political beliefs of included resources. We have done our due diligence to ensure all the information is accurate, up to date, and attempted to avoid biased language. And I say that as well for myself. I, I don't mean to upset people. Thank you for listening. I can't believe people do, so I, I am grateful. Um, so just this table of contents. Uh, I wanted to read to people. So it contextualizes recent distress among Muslim populations, uh, mental health experiences related to the Palestine crisis, understanding Palestine within a framework of settler colonialism, Palestinian mental health and emotional experiences under colonialism, moving from depoliticizing to decolonization of mental health, resistance and resilience, general recommendations for resources, Islamic coping and taking care of your mental health, engaging with others around Palestine, and learn more about Palestine. Um, so I, I think that it's really important. I, I thought I'd read just uh, from the first part here, Palestine, Palestinian mental health and emotional experiences under colonialism, uh, loss. Colonial power has the unique quality of pervading every aspect of Palestinian life. As Indigenous people here in North America, we completely understand how that feels. And I, 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 I know it's with sorrow I read this. In addition to the material and physical uprooting, displacement, and disposition, or dis disposition, yeah, <laughs> health and well-being are impacted by near constant onslaught of terror terrorism, pain, fear, agony, and losses in all forms. And I'll just say by the state, because I know exactly what that feels like. Um, those losses are both symbolic and systemic, existing at the intersections of the personal and political. Losses occur as death, loss of health, due to incapacit inca incapacitation or injury, loss of livelihood, loss of social work or roles due to fracturing of families, loss of political autonomy, loss of dignity and hope. All of these losses are felt by the individuals and reverberate through families and communities. Loss of homes does not only represent the destruction of a place or belongings, but it also represents the destruction of dreams and memories. Loss is a sense of safety, loss of identity and heritage that's so intrinsically linked to the homeland. Ah, don't we know that? So I thought it was important to, to frame this whole conversation with this mental health guidebook. I think it's important. A lot of people ask, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed with this. I don't even know where to start because they're privileged and they get that. Uh, luxury. So to anyone who's Indigenous, to anyone who might be Muslim, Palestinian, or allies trying to do better, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I will send you this, and you can read through all 34 pages. It is worth reading. Um, I've referred to it a few times, especially when watching uh, media. As an Indigenous woman, obviously, I watch the media mischaracterize us as Indigenous peoples here in Canada in the US and as well in now in Palestine. 
so an, I wanted to frame it starting there. Uh, just going back to my notes, because I, I, I thought it was really important that, uh, you know, we, we talk about what's happening here in Calgary as well. Um, you know, the situation, so today is what, December 5th, we have 2 million people in dire humanitarian need. Um, while the ceasefire has kind of, we had a, that small break, it's still going. Um, so far, we have about 1,500 or 15,000 people, including more than 6,000 children and over 100 aid workers that have been killed. Um, and this was from an email that I received from the International Rescue Committee. I, I think that they are just trying to do their best and they try to give out the stats without bias and prejudice. So I thought it was important, you know, if you're Indigenous, if you're in Canada, um, to talk again about the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls two-spirit inquiry for those who don't have context. I've actually read it. We went through it with our book club and uh, it's important to read it, not just refer to it, because then you have a deeper understanding of what a trauma-informed approach is. So if you go to volume 1B, um, uh, page 43 of the, that volume of the inquiry, I, I'll just read this to you. Trauma-informed services take into account the understanding of trauma in all aspects of service delivery and place priority on trauma survivor safety, choice, and control. Um, I'm just going to stop there and say that, and you're seeing very clearly in all of the media that's out there that of the survivors that the mainstream media do talk to, they don't really care about their safety. They don't really care about their choices. Then they don't really give them any control whatsoever. I'm going to get a little more into that. Um, they create a treatment culture of nonviolence, learning, and collaboration. Like we can just say in, in the West in general, that is, they're still not there. They're still violent, not willing to, to learn, uh, focusing on de denialism. And they're not interested in collaboration when they still view Indigenous people and Palestinians as, uh, you know, subhuman people. Working with a trauma-informed way does not necessarily require disclosure of trauma. So uh, a nice way to say that is I just know when I'm with folks that they have endured trauma. And I, I did wish more people understood that um, and meet them where they're at. Rather, services are provided in a way uh, that recognizes needs for physical and emotional safety, as well as choice and control in decisions affecting one's treatment. In Western world, we don't have that. In trauma-informed services, safety is created in every interaction. Definitely not out here. In trauma-informed context, building trust and confidence paves the way for people to consider taking further steps towards healing and recovery while not experiencing further traumatization. I think it's really important to acknowledge that both the Palestinians and Canada, um, so I guess Israel and Canada, and the Indigenous people in Canada and the Palestinians, like we, we're always getting further traumatized. So we, we never get a chance to stop and, and heal to recover from this. So um, just really quickly, you know, the key principles of the trauma-informed practices that the MMIW inquiry focused on was trauma awareness, emphasis on safety and, tr and trustworthiness, opportunity for choice, collaboration and connection, 
empowerment and strength building. So lots more to talk about fundamental pr uh, principles, centering family and survivors, being respectful of gender and cultural identity, drawing on strengths and resilience, creating culturally safe spaces. Canada and Israel fail horribly on that. Honoring the right of choice, both fail. Treating people with compassion. You're seeing that in the media, the lack of compassion. Using a proactive and flexible approach to identify needs and challenges, supporting the individual rights, including privacy, and ensuring a collaborative approach with external parties where feasible. So uh, yeah, these are things that I think are really important. These guiding principles align with our commitment not to cause further harm. At the same time, we acknowledge that we are unable to ensure a trauma-informed approach was taken at all times and deeply regret any situations which people may have been triggered and did not feel well cared for. So I obviously encourage people to continue reading that. Um, for me, I thought it was important to frame any conversation that I, as a Dene woman, would have about Palestinians in this way so that we can understand that where we're trying to come from. So um, I also encourage folks to obviously read the um, inquiry. And again, just to kind of give some con some ideas about this foundation that we need to work on, like this, this inquiry is so relevant to the conversation in Palestine. Why start with relationships, you know, encounter Encounters that make a difference, the intersectional approach of encounters, four pathways that maintain colonial violence, Indigenous women, girls, and 2SLGBTQI people as rights holders. Like right now, Palestinians have the rights, but nobody wants to recognize that. Promoting and maintaining healthy encounters. And, you know, in chapter two, they talk about Indigenous recognition. Uh, uh, recognitions of power and place, emphasizing accountability through human rights tools. Like right now we're seeing so many human rights violations by Israel to Palestinians. Colonization as gendered oppression. We're seeing the women, the children being murdered, um, confronting oppression, the right to culture. You know, I, I wore this to try to show solidarity with the Palestinians. Uh, this is their their scarf. I have a black and white one and I'm, I'm currently wearing like, I don't know, army khaki color. Um, anyway, they talk a lot further about oppression, the right to health, the right to justice, the right to security. Um, honestly, you can't frame a conversation about Palestine without this because we need to be sensitive to Palestinians and to what they're going through. Um, I'm just, I'm going live on TikTok and I see a few people saying some kind things and I just want to say thank you for those kind words. I appreciate folks that will watch there as well. I know I don't have a huge following on any social media. It's just that I, I get these little pockets, whether it's on the, the podcast, on TikTok, on Facebook or whichever. So I appreciate that. Um, and I also think it's really important to acknowledge while we're doing this, uh, page 187 of volume 1B, the media calls to justice. Because I think if you're going to be talking about Palestine and you're talking about Indigenous peoples here in Canada, like this, this is missed. And I don't understand this. Calls for justice. 
uh, calls for media and social in influencers. So this is called Justice uh, 6.1. We call on all media, news corporations and outlets, and in particular, government-funded corpora corporations and outlets, media unions, associations and guilds, academic institutions teaching journalism or media courses, governments that fund such corporations, outlets, and media institutions, and journalists, reporters, bloggers, film producers, writers, musicians, music producers, and more generally, people who work in the entertainment industry to take decolonization uh, approaches to their work and publications in order to educate all Canadians about Indigenous women, girls, and 2SLGBTQIA plus people. More specifically, this includes to ensure authentic and appropriate representation, including inclusive of diverse cultural backgrounds and in order to address negative and discriminatory stereotypes. Boy, are we not seeing that in the Canadian media right now or with our social influencers that you know, definitely are taking space, but not honoring that. Uh, support, supporting Indigenous people sharing their stories from their perspective, free of bias, discrimination, false assumptions, and in trauma-informed and culturally sensitive ways. So I have a whole list of resources of, of folks that I follow and folks that I try to uh, amplify in their in in talking about the issue of Palestinians because Palestinians need to be leading the conversation about Palestinians. And um, when I see folks not do that, not amplify their voices, I, I know they, they still don't get it. <laughs> um, increase the member of Indigenous people in broadcasting. Oh, well, we're never going to get that. In fact, right now we're seeing the opposite. I'll get to that in a bit. Um, you know, but the biggest thing I want to emphasize in here is this last piece here where it talks about break down the stereotypes that demean Indigenous people and, and practices that perpetuate myths. Um, in this case, they're talking more about, you know, Indigenous women being so-called sexually available, less worthy. And I think that really matters because we are framing Palestinians as less worthy. And that's not okay. And as somebody who talks about the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, like this is in there too. And both the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the National Inquiry are based off of the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. So from here on in, you may hear me offhandedly say on drip. And I am talking about the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And um, yeah, it's unbelievable to me that we have the document, we, ha we have this inquiry, this report, and not only have Canadians still failed to read it, and they've had it since 2017, but implement it. And their, their lack of choice of that, we're seeing why it's relevant to this Palestinian um, genocide happening. Because if they cared to do anti-racism work, like Truth and Reconciliation Commission 57 calls on all public servants to do. Um, there is a section in the TRC on media representation, and yet we're not seeing that being done. So to me, this is why a podcast like this is important, because we need to call out our Canadian media on their racism, on perpetuating stereotypes, 
not centering Indigenous voices, not centering Palestinian voices on Palestine, because I see it. And I'm not even a journalist. So how can one pissed off mom see this so clearly? And we have millions of Canadians that aren't calling this out on a regular basis. So why this matters. Um, so for those who listen to me uh, internationally and nationally, here in Alberta, we have a, a right of center podcaster who's really popular. His name is Ryan Jesperson, and it's called Real Talk with Ryan Jesperson. And he was on Global and he got kicked off and he started his own podcast and people still listen to him because truthfully, most Albertans who care about um, politics, they're very right of center. They like to think they're left. They like to think they're progressive. But all of um, colonial settlers are actually a lot more right of center than they understand. So he had on uh, a person now that I recommend everybody start following. Her name is Gada Sasa, and she's a third generation Palestinian refugee. Um, she went on her sh on that show in good faith, representing uh, Canadians for justice and peace in the Middle East, an organization I used to follow quite uh, religiously, but I, I'm going to break that down in a bit here. She went on there in good faith. And, um, you know, Ryan Jespertson, he really tried to get her to com condemn Hamas. So <laughs> just saying that after everything I've said up to this point sounds so ridiculous. So um, for folks who maybe don't know much about the issue in in Palestine, basically Palestine it was just fine until British and French intervention. And because they perpetuated colonialism and created the state of Israel, there's been nothing but um, Palestinians dying as a result. Uh, the Strip of Gaza has been called an open-air prison. Numerous human rights organizations have called out Israel on their violations prior to this uh, October conflict. Um, and I don't even like saying the word conflict because it's it's just oppression. Israel is oppressing Palestinians. And uh, so it's actually become kind of a joke with me and some of the Muslims. It's like, well, do you come and do you condemn Hamas? And I just jokingly say that all the time now because it's it what it does is it doesn't acknowledge colonialism. It doesn't acknowledge the British and uh, French interventions that caused all of this. It doesn't acknowledge um colonialism in general. So when you hear people say the state of Israel, they're acknowledging colonialism. They're saying, we want the state of Israel. They don't say uh, Palestinians. They The sooner, like any, and people in the West have to understand this, the tool of colonialism that we see, as I see as a Dene woman, is the absolute indigenous erasure. So the sooner we cannot say the word Palestinian, the sooner we cannot acknowledge Palestinians as people, the sooner we don't acknowledge Palestine. That's just helping colonialism in the West continue their colonialism. So that's why um, you know I'll only refer to Israel as settler Israel because that's what it is, just like it's settler Canada. Palestine, Palestine is the territory just like I'm on Blackfoot territory. 
So I'm sure you've heard me rant a few times in previous episodes that clearly Canadians are not getting the concept of what uh, land acknowledgements actually are because they don't want to acknowledge stolen lands. And they the sooner they can do Indigenous erasure, the sooner they can feel better about themselves, just like Israel can feel great about them, themselves as soon as all Palestinians are eliminated. And um, last time I checked, that's called genocide. And actually both... Uh, the inquiry and the TRC addressed genocide, which Canadians are doing backflips to try to acknowledge didn't happen. So, you know, like what we're fighting as Indigenous people, both here and internationally, is just simply the right to exist. <laughs> and Palestinians talk about the right to return. And again, that's, you know, following the UN mandates and understanding the gravity of that. So it, it's uh, it's really upsetting. So anyway, this amazing articulate woman who uh, she's uh, working on her PhD, she has her master's. Um, she was on there to talk about what it's like being a third generation Palestinian. She spoke about her poli- her family, 45 members of her family being eliminated. And um, yeah, and Ryan just for someone's like, but do you condemn Hamas? <laughs> So rightfully, when she left uh, on Twitter, she talked about um, how horrible it was as, you know, that experience was. And so I I, uh, obviously retweeted her, was very um, happy to do so. And um, the two white guys that are on the Canadians for justice and peace in the Middle East had a vote and let her off the board. Uh, a volunteer board, I might add. So now she doesn't even represent Canadians for justice and peace in the Middle East. So I quit following them immediately, and I will promote her voice. Um, Obviously, over the course of this, um, the last two months, I've been forced to uh, showcase Canadians for justice and peace in the Middle East at times based off of um, some of the calls of Canada to get off their butt for. But anyway, I do recommend you follow her. I follow her on both Twitter and Insta as S-A-S-A underscore G-H-A-D-A. I think she deserves all of our support. And then stupid things like she recently went to Mariah Carey and um, they wouldn't allow her to wear her scarf in, in the stupid concert. Um, so, you know, she was trying to call out Mariah Carey and the the center that hosts the event, like just stupid how uh, Canadians perpetuate colonialism and, um, you know, are, are racist and discriminatory to Indigenous peoples. It, it's just it's just gross. Islamophobia is disgusting in this country. And here we are um, on the show. She actually referenced an an article that I had shared and I wanted to mention it in the podcast too and it's it's basically uh debunking Israel's mass rape propaganda and why that's so relevant is because like um in in every conflict in every war there's propaganda and I remember when they had this paid actress to talk about how um, Iraq was killing babies um, then and that was later debunked, but it didn't matter because by then the US had already gone in and, and went into Iraq. You know, independent journalism matters. So this is the electronic um, 
I-N-D-I-F-A-D-A.net, um, trying to give some information about this mass rape propaganda that you keep hearing. Uh, it mattered here be locally because just this past weekend, uh, Justice for Palestinians is a nonprofit organization here in Calgary, and they've been organizing multiple protests on Sundays at two, uh, been to the majority of them, not all of them, but the majority. And um, this last Sunday, they had a bunch of Israelis show up and have like red paint around their crotch and their butt to try to show that they were raped. And they had this poor fellow supposedly dressed up as a jihadist uh, to rape an Israeli. And they did this right in front of city hall in front of everybody. Um, thank God I didn't see it. I'm Unfortunately, it got out there on the internet. Uh, they have like rebel news type affiliates trying to be clickbait and put that out there and you know zero condemnation from the police from the city from the from anybody nobody cares that this happened but i i know if it was reversed man you would this would be international news but we're not hearing anything about it and i mean it's what tuesday tuesday already and nobody's talking about it no condemnation of it and it's been really frustrating watching, you know, the police surveillance, um, like really cameras in our face, surveilling our crowd and never the other crowd when they are clearly creating so much hostility. Um, you know, it, it it's clear that the police are, are trying to demonize uh, folks who are Muslim, folks who are on the side of Palestine in such a negative way on their own social media and charging the wrong people with hate crimes. I, I, I'm really upset with, with this because, you know, I've tried to talk to people about that. They don't want to have in-depth conversations. They just want to have like pose for a camera conversation, not really wanting to understand oppression dynamics. And clearly, because when they do use these hate charges, they use it as a tool against the oppressed. Um, and it's important to bring up because as of yesterday, uh, Taylor McNally, uh, she's a black activist out here in Calgary. She and uh, Adora Nofor and a crew of Black Lives Matter uh, folks here in Calgary did a week long protest to in front of the Alberta uh, Justice Courts building to try to raise awareness about what happened to this black woman who was in custody her name was dahlia and she was violently violently um, manhandled um, concussion broken face by the calgary police while handcuffed while in their custody by a man who looked like three her three times her size his name is alex dunn and because Black Lives Matter chapter here was trying to raise awareness and having a week-long protest about that issue, uh, one of the uh, female Alberta sheriffs lashed out at, at Taylor and somehow Taylor ends up with these charges. And, you know, they got rid of a few, but, but one stuck and then she got sentenced on Monday to uh, 30 days in jail. And, uh, you know, it's so upsetting to watch. Anybody who watches these two videos knows that this is wrong. And yet here we are as a people just still not 
you know, crying out, like with the silence on that is, it's gross. It's, uh, you know, back to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry, if Canada cared and actually implemented any of these uh, calls, I, I doubt we'd be there. In fact, both Taylor and Adora should be getting awards, not jail sentences for the work that they've done, for the anti-racism work that they've done. But here we are as a society going, doo, 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 I don't care. So it's been really, really hard, really problematic. And I, you know, I encourage people to go to Stop the Stack YYC. Uh, so what they do is education on how the justice system puts together all of these stacks of charges against a person to demonize them. And that's what they're doing to both Taylor and Adora, which is really easy to do in a white supremacist society that already has an, uh, an anti-Black bias and an anti-woman bias. And, um, you know, compound that with all of these charges. That's why you're seeing so many people who like to think they're progressive, but they ain't. They're not saying nothing on any of this, right? So it's been really frustrating. So kind of going off of that as well, um, you know, Gada, she lost that position on that board but we actually seen a slew of women of color in Canada lose their jobs for speaking out whether they were in media or academia I've seen at least two men that were um in academia that were silenced over over speaking out on genocide of Palestine and that's really like when I talk in my podcast about uh, women of color QT BIPOC being at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder this is why because when we see racism and we call it out, we lose our jobs, we lose lose our board positions, and um, we get demonized for speaking out on these issues of racism and colonialism, on subjects that have been documented, reported, uh, put in reports, and Canada just choosing not to do anything about it, and the, its citizens also choosing not to not just not do anything about it. But vote for folks who are like, okay, who's in denial? Okay, great. We'll totally vote for them. That's my guy. <laughs> so that that's the white supremacy and that ongoing genocide that continues here. Um, another thing that I wanted to speak out about was uh, pinkwashing. One of the arguments you regularly hear uh, from Israel is, well, you know, if you're gay and you're in Palestine, then I'm at. my, my bullcrap here. Um, what what they're doing is pinkwashing. There is no woman, girl, or 2SLGBTQ+, anywhere in the globe that's safe. Do some countries have more oppressive laws? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that you're any less safe anywhere. Um, if you follow me on... I find Instagram has a lot more of the youth. And they have a lot of like queers in Palestine and groups that are are doing that work of saying, hey, we're here, we're queer, we're still in Palestine, and we're still being bombed by colonialism and racism. And that message seems to be going in one ear and out the other. So, you know, really disappointing. I'm, I'm trying to share a little bit about this queer cinema for Palestine. Uh, it's from December 2nd to the 10th, uh, with 40 cities participating in that. Um, I know even locally here, I see you, 2SLGBTQ plus community, coming out and supporting Palestinians, despite some of the folks that are just queer phobic 
just so pathetic. Um, but I'm proud of you all. I'm proud to walk with you. And I'm, I wish that more people recognized how much of this um, work that you're doing, because we know that our liberation is collective. The sooner they're free, we're free. The sooner that um, the LGBTQ2 plus community is free, more chance of an Indigenous person being free. Right now, we're all oppressed. And Canada is like, oh my God, what oppression? I didn't know. And and Israel actually also has that, where you can be born and raised in Israel and not recognize literally your neighbor as being oppressed because of white privilege. That's what it is, both in Israel and in Canada, white privilege. So it's a sad reality, but this is these are the parallels. And for folks who listen to me, I want you to see what I see and hear what I'm seeing. Um, so kind of back to our Sunday protests here in Calgary. I'm sure you have seen the unfair balance back to the losing your jobs, et cetera, uh, stacking of charges. So Wessam is kind of our main organizer here, and he got charged. Um, and was told he wasn't allowed to protest. And thank I know who his lawyer is, a really wonderful man who I, I adore. And um and and nationally, Muslims are uh also working on this of making sure that they're not being unfairly uh legally targeted. So at first Wesson had to miss at least one protest because he wasn't allowed to be there. But the system kind of worked so that he could be able to come from now on. Um, and I wanted to talk about one other thing. There's a difference between dropping charges and staying charges. Staying charges mean that the cops are still watching you. That means that for the next a year until those those uh, charges like are gone, gone, they are going to use that as a reason to go after him. So that's what they're doing. They're intimidating him by not dropping the charges. So it, it's uh, it's really disappointing. I am so disappointed in the way that I'm watching the Crown and uh, the Calgary Police handle all of this because honestly, it looks like they do not understand racism and are perpetuating it. Um, and I mean, that is their job. For folks who don't know, Canada supports Israel. Uh, we send them police training. We allow them to come over here for police training. And uh, we send them weapons. We send them money. We send them international talking points that Canada supports Israel because the settler state supports another settler state. That's how it works. So it sucks because it's like, you know, we, I thought we were doing better on reconciliation and understanding treaty partnerships, um, but but we're not. And we're certainly not applying that logic and anti-racism lens when talking about Israel and Palestine. So here we are still. And uh, it's so funny, the lack of people that will watch me on TikTok. Um, and that's OK. I understand. It's, uh, you know, what, Tuesday afternoon people got to work. So I appreciate and the few that are watching, I say thank you. Um, so who am I following? Uh, oh, I, sh sorry, I'm going to go back to Sundays at two. So Wessam, uh, he is now able to lead uh, some of these protests because they stayed the charges and not dropped the charges. So he is there, he is speaking out pr proudly about the issues that are happening every single week. Um, you have to understand that these protests are like vigils too. Like it, it's hard to listen to 
people's pain and suffering. But anyone who's Indigenous here in Canada, here in Turtle Island, like they know this pain. We have to have our vigils all the time for the state killing our people all the time. Um, whether it's from a, you know, ongoing colonialism of poverty, whether it's from the lack of uh, cultural services available to us for mental health, for health care in general, you know, like we're constantly dying here. A uh, report just came out of how many, at least 50 kids, I, I can't remember if it's 50 or 88 children that died in custody because here in Canada, it's still okay to just apprehend our children. And these children are dying in that system. And Canadians are like, what's wrong? Just like Israel is like, oh my God, Palestinians are oppressed. It's the same thing. It's the same concept that they, they can do this erasure, that they can live in privilege so that they don't notice how many Indigenous people, Indigenous children are dying in care. Um, and just like right now, all these babies are being murdered in Palestine and everybody seems okay with it. Just talking about it is upsetting me. I can't understand this. So understandably, if you're in Calgary area, please support Justice for Palestinians. Follow them on all their social medias. Amplify their voice. Um, Simon Jamal is part of that. Uh, so I, you'll see me share some of her stuff. Um, we have two folks in our Reconciliation Action Group that are part of Justice for Palestinians. Uh, they're older ladies. One is Jewish. She's actually older than Israel. So, and I like to bring that up regularly because you have Jewish women out there and, and men, I, I know a few Jewish men as well. So we, we also have independent voices, uh, independent Jewish voices that are a part of these uh, Justice for Palestinian um, protests. So the, the Jewish community that understands oppression and are basically saying not in our name and the Canadians who are saying not in our name are showing up for the justice for Palestinian protests. And uh, we, we've had like thousands of people come out to them and uh, it's created some problems for the Calgary police because they didn't want us marching on the Fifth Avenue flyover which is a, a major artery into Calgary's downtown. And, um, you know, these uh, rebel news affiliates try to go around and uh, take videos of people who are in traffic waiting for the protest to end and being like, oh my God, I have a baby and I have to wait 20 minutes to change it. And it's like, mm, that's not how it works, bro. But this is where we're at as a society where their privilege stops them from seeing the actual genocide and atrocities of indigenous people not just here but in palestine so it's uh sad it's pathetic and that's what's happening um i also wanted to talk about uh what happened in toronto because what i've been talking about people losing their jobs and for speaking out etc and but also the the twisting of the the mainstream media so in toronto there's an indigo bookstore and uh, the owner of that was giving tons of money to Israel. And so the folks who are for Palestine are asking Canadians, please don't put your money into uh, corporations and into organ organizations like this one, like so that an indigo bookstore being owned by this person who is giving money to Israel. It's called uh, Boycott. Um boycott their don't put your money in there so they they'd plastered her her bookstore with like <laughs> fake 
indigo posters, which you've all seen, uh, you know, Heather's picks, etc. you know, uh, those kinds of things. And they plastered it. Okay. So that's, that's probably a bit of a charge um, for civil disobedience. But what's not funny, and what actually happened was uh, the Toronto police figured out who the activists were, and decided to do a four o'clock in the morning raid on multiple locations on multiple activists homes. Um, that's a multi-million dollar um, operation. And all this money that all these Canadians are like, oh my God, give money to the police. This is where it's going. It, it's attacking activists. It's attacking Wesson here in Calgary. It's attacking Adora. It's attacking Taylor. Now it's attacking these activists in Toronto trying to raise awareness that this bookstore is supporting Israel. And uh, multi-million dollar operation. And in fact, they traumatized so many people who weren't even involved because the activists they thought lived there didn't live there anymore. Um, and you have to understand, and I remember this when I was talking about um, cannabis um, and, and trying to get it legalized. The police in Canada have every right to take uh, one of those big things and drill down your door, causing $10,000 worth of damage. And that's on you. That's something you have to deal with. That's that's not something they pay for. That's not something victim services pay, pays for. And um and, and that fund just goes up and up and up, and it's not culturally sensitive. So folks like me, folks like Palestinians, they never get support from the victim services. So all of that money, like it, it's not supporting <laughs> victims. It's supporting, I don't know who it's supporting, actually. But anyway, um, probably the very few white people that actually get access to it anyway. Um, and, and, and people need to know this is what they're doing, because like this is the down the road of fascism. Um, I know these freedom fuckers, they talked about, uh, constantly talked about their freedoms and their rights being taken away, where their freedoms and rights were never taken away, but ours are, you know, they're trying to silence activists nationally, obviously, in the West in general, but I, I'm just trying to focus locally more, more so than anything. So anyway, really important to boycott um, monies that are going to Israel. So I, I implore you, as you get ready for this ridiculous capitalist uh, tradition of Christmas, that imposed Christian belief system, please spend your money wisely. Um, you know, I, I made an Amazon wish list for my family <laughs> because I know they're not they're not internet tech savvy enough to like click on it and pay for it online because our family's not that, that family. <laughs> My family's like the, oh, here's her list. Let's go to, you know, the bookstore and get it. And thank God for that. So, <laughs> but um, I, I do encourage people don't buy from Amazon, buy from, uh, you know, like Shelf Life Books is my favorite, Owl's Nest, Fair's Fair, because uh, those are independent bookstores. And I always support independent bookstores first or used. Um, I bought my uh, Harry the Spare book from um, Fair's Fair because I didn't want to support that, as I'm sure you all know. And I I'll leave that in the bathroom and read it eventually. Anyway, I'm getting way off topic, but I'm not because those royals are the reason why all of this is happening, not just here, but also in Palestine. And uh, it's really important to always remember colonialism is causing pain, suffering, genocide, ongoing genocide here and abroad. 
because y'all still are okay with King Charles being on our stupid money, on our stupid stamps. Like, I, I just cannot wrap my head around that. They've never, ever respected our treaty. And that's where there are solutions. Indigenous people here are, you know, are trying to honor those treaties. But what's happening in Palestine is is outright genocide. And it, it all came from that stupid family, that stupid family. They've caused all of these problems. And I, I will never understand why people worship them. And um, and and they've taught us as as citizens how to be offended. You know, like oh, I'm so offended that these aboriginals just don't like what we're doing to them. Oh, how can that be? And uh, Tyler Shipley, he really, you know, pointed that out in his book. And he did a like an eight week series and he kept showing how the Canadian military, the Canadian public, the Canadian citizens, the Canadian politicians regularly go, oh, oh my God, I can't believe that they didn't like what we did to them when it's genocide, right? And you see Israel doing that too. Like they're the victim in all of this colonialism and oppression. So that's why when you see Palestinians talking about like not just the end of the ceasefire, but like the end of the occupation. This is what they're talking about. And I think you have to really do a lot of mental gymnastics to not see that regardless. Follow um, follow, follow the Palestinians, follow their voices. Um, on Instagram, the Canadian Muslims channel, they are sending me the best things for me to kind of stay up to date on what's happening. Um, and again, kind of that trigger warning, that trauma-informed approach, like click on those knowing what you might see. Um, you know, I, I think those of us who are wanting to pay attention, like the Ryan Jespertsons and the and the, those folks who were, you know, committed to white supremacy, they're not seeing this at all. But the people from on the ground are showing us the actual genocide, the actual crimes Israel's committing. And these are crimes against uh, uh, humanity. These are crimes against humanity. And the international courts should be charging them with crimes against humanity. And frankly, those who who aided them. So that's why when you're out at these protests and you hear, you know, Netanyahu, Justin Trudeau, um, you know, our leaders being called out for genocide, that's why. I, 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 I hope like, I don't know if Calgary is just like this anomaly where Indigenous people are like too afraid to be out there um, because we see what the Calgary police are so capable doing against people of color. Um, but I, I'm just hoping nationally that a lot of the Indigenous folks are are seeing this and wanting to be a part of the liberation and uh, and such. But I'm seeing it especially, <laughs> I mean, you all listen to me, you know I have nothing but shade for diversity, equity, and inclusion that isn't coming from a decolonial lens. And so all of the folks who make a living off of this, not speaking out, man, you are showing how colonized you are. Um, so anyway, DEI against occupation, that is on Instagram. Um, I was I was asked if I would do a, you know, a picture of support. I did because I believe in it, Toronto Muslims. I found this comedian, his name is uh, Sammy Obeid. So O-B-E-I-D. Really funny fellow, um, smart fellow, a teacher who is a, a comedian. 
who tries to talk about Palestine and try to humanize it with comedy. And I think we all agree that's the best way to learn. And then uh, <sighs> Mansour Schumann is um, a Calgarian Palestinian and he's there right now. And every day I wake up and I get tagged from him and I look at the time and, and I'm grateful to know he's still alive. And um, sometimes he'll like a response and I'll be like, oh my God, right now in real time in Palestine, he's alive and he's liking this. So that, that makes me happy because like, I know him. I, I, when I ran, I thought between him and some of the other folks in the Muslim community, they would support me. Um, you know, I, I got to know quite a few folks that I just, they're, they're my family, they're my neighbors. And uh, he's there doing this. Uh, according to the community, Committee to Protect Journalists, as of today, 63 journalists and media workers have been confirmed dead. Um, 11 journalists are, are injured, three are missing, 19 are reported arrested. There is no more dangerous job than wearing that blue vest and, and helmet that says press. And uh, I know he's trying to do his best. And he is, he's sending us updates. I know he's okay. So if, if you check my social media, you know, like him. So it's M-A-N-S-U-S-O-U-R. So M-A-N-S-O-U-R. And then his last name is S-H-O-U-M-A-N. Um, please follow him. He's trying to tell us what's happening in Palestine um, I remember when his family was still there and he was trying to get his, his wife and his kids back uh, to Canada and they finally did. And I was over the moon, but they were really sad and disappointed he wouldn't go. But you have to understand as Palestinians, they, they see themselves as um, having to be there with their family. And I totally understand that if my nation was under siege, I would feel compelled to stay with them too. Um you know, and, and not have my daughter with me and, and not be in that that role. So follow Palestinians, amplify their voice, um, you know, give shade to the groups of people that take that space. Obviously, the deepest respect to the Jewish community as they're going through this, the ones that understand oppression and genocide, I'm lucky enough to know, and I'm grateful for them. But I also know the Jewish community is is hurting and divided because you know people you love are these zionists and and you know it's wrong and i i know folks like that where they they can't march with us and and they're crying inside because their family is completely divided over all of this and that pressure that's coming up now that it's going to be hanukkah uh, why aren't you speaking out don't don't you condemn hamas you know <laughs> that conversation constantly happening um I have the deepest respect for what you're going through. Obviously, I don't stand for anti-Semitism, but for folks who can't understand it, Zionism is colonialism. The Jewish faith is the Jewish faith. <laughs> I think a lot of folks would, would understand, especially in Canada, as a Canadian, you don't want to perpetuate more harm, but yet kind of feel helpless as to what to do. And I, I think that that is the majority of our Jewish population that doesn't know what to do while watching some of their Zionist family members and, and convert, conversely, like I am indigenous and I'm 
watching like indigenous people who are colonized who don't understand the issue because they don't want to work on decolonizing themselves and um and then I have white family members that are just on side with the mainstream media because that's what they've been told to do and they naturally side with white supremacy because that's our society that's how we we raise our children we educate our children and our society is just white supremacist so anyway I have lots of resources for folks. Um, uh, going back though to the committee of uh, of protected journalism, they they said that there's uh, multiple assaults, threats, cyber attacks, censor censorship, and killing of family members to those reporters, to those journalists. So, so for me personally, that was part of why I was so happy with that Mansour's family was was back uh, out of. Israel's grasp, basically. Um, they're also investigating numerous unconfirmed reports of other journalists being killed, missing, detained, hurt, or threatened, and of damage to media offices and journalists' homes. I mean, you have Doctors Without Borders talking about Israel bombing hospitals. Um, that certainly did not age well on Ryan Jespertson's show. Um, so, it, you know, it, I, I just I'm, I'm heartbroken over everything that's happening right now. Follow them, get on their email list and um, keep up to date through their eyes, as opposed to uh, Western media trying to basically tell one side, just like they've done in Canada with Indigenous people. They've only told the settler side. So, um, again, my 2024 book list is out. I would love for you to come join us. So just send me an email and I'll, uh, I'll send you the, um, the zoom link. So you can be anywhere, anywhere, anywhere you have zoom, you're allowed to be a part of my book club. That's simple. <laughs> um, the reconciliation action group, uh, boy, we have been putting out a lot of statements. So if you're not following the reconciliation action group, please do, uh, we're on Twitter, Insta, Facebook. And if you actually want to be a good settler to act, then just email us and start being on our um, weekly meetings and, and being a part of our actions and adding to our discussions about speaking out about things. Um, I just recently found out on the download that the Calgary Catholic Board considers us some kind of political group. And it's like, that's really says a lot about their lack of understanding of racism, but it also shows their lack of commitment to reconciliation, that a reconciliation group would be considered some kind of, um, let me hit stop there, some kind of political entity as opposed to, you know, them seeing their role in reconciliation, and especially as Catholics. Jesus Christ, I can't even with these people. Anyway. So join our Reconciliation Action Group. Um, Reclaim Awaton put out a post asking us all to take out Awaton memberships. So for folks who have been following along, we've been trying to get Indigenous uh, women at these boards. Uh, one in particular got kicked off. It's uh, really sad how settlers insert themselves in Indigenous organizations. Um, obviously, the staff at Awaton doing an amazing job. I can't imagine the stress they're under, but I know I am supporting uh, the founder, Ruth Scalplock, and she has been heartbroken for months over this issue. And way to go, folks, for not doing more. So the least you can do is take out a membership 
and uh, and start helping in in that way of voting for Indigenous board members to be on those boards, as well as, um, you know, following Reclaim Aweton. Really important things to talk about today. I was just want to make sure there's so much more I want to say about the Palestine um, genocide that's taking place. How do you talk about thousands of people being murdered in the course of days? How can you not feel that as Indigenous people, it, we're undergoing genocide. We see the deaths every single day. And I, uh, you know, the lack of compassion and empathy coming from Canadians for both us as well as Palestinians, I'll, I'll never understand that. So I will give you resources. Um, again, I'm going to go circle back to that manual. Um, it's just over 30 pages. It helps uh, frame this conversation. It helps you mentally with resources, something you can give to your um, friends and family at Christmas time. I think that that needs to be really emphasized. You know, I had a conversation, like I have a rocky conversation with my family sometimes about racism because they don't want to hear about it. And the 2SLGBTQ community, they don't want to hear about it, but they have to because that's what I am and my daughter. So when they're forced to listen to it, you know, just simple things, asking me what books I want. We talk about that and my, they have insecurities like, well, am I getting you the right books? And it's like, you guys haven't screwed up on getting me the wrong books yet. So hi, Hugo. Hugo is my my pupper and he has his big feelings and brought me his rope because he missed me because I've been doing this podcast. So, oh, and he's going to knock over my background. <laughs> Sorry for the interruption, folks. My point was, it is really imperative that you talk to your friends and your family at Christmas time during these holidays that you are, um, you know, participating in. Talk about the Palestinians. Talk about settler colonialism and talk about solutions. Here in Canada, we've never talked about anything other than equality. Uh, if you watch that Ryan Jesperson uh, episode, then you'll know that that was all she was talking about as well. And they were just trying so desperately to get her to condemn Hamas that it's just become this stupid joke. I, I can't even, like, I, I can't imagine, um, you know, people being so oppressed and, and Ryan trying to say something to the effect like, well, could you imagine if, you know, a bunch of Indigenous people took uh, hostages at the Edmonton Folk Fest? And I was like, oh, my God, Ryan, I was embarrassed for him. He doesn't understand. He's a settler on stolen land. He doesn't understand that, you know, we've never violently taken up arms. Like, I, I just can't even grasp how you can be that lack of informed it let and trauma informed as well on this topic of colonialism that you would even say something like that and to a palestinian like that and that's why these media calls to action and calls to justice are so important being trauma informed so important you never treat a guest like that that's literally going and watching the genocide of her people but as indigenous people we have been treated that way always by the canadian media so Anyway, I want to focus on solutions. If you are um, in, in Canada and you haven't read the Truth and Reconciliation Commission volumes, if you haven't read the National Inquiry volumes, if you haven't put effort towards any of that, 
please don't pretend like you care about colonialism and indigenous people. My God, uh, if you want that manual, don't hesitate to email me, nativeyyc at gmail.com. I will forward you that PDF so that you can look at it and, and go through it with that lens and maybe give it to your friends and family because this is that time to have that conversation with them. Anyway, I am proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training, cultural first aid, and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, and to SLGBTQ to speak. According to the 2023 Quality of Life Report from the Calgary Foundation, 88% of racialized Calgarians feel uncomfortable or out of place because of their religion, ethnicity, skin color, culture, language, accent, gender, or sexual orientation, which was up from 75% in 2023. I would be really curious now after this, um, how the Northeast in general would reply to this question, because there, if you're a Muslim in this country, how can you feel anything other than a third-class citizen? Welcome to being Indigenous in Canada, folks. I'm sorry that this is happening to you. Um, 84% of racialized Calgarians believe racism exists. <laughs> 84, we got to get that number up to 100, folks. Come on. But only 66% of non-racialized Calgarians believe that. You imagine being white, 33% of you being like, there's no such thing as racism. <laughs> oh my God, what a bubble. Thank you to author Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca. We have a whole section on what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work and those cultural action tools are available, so please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence uh, marginalized folks experience by the structure of oppression imposed on these lands. RacialEquityTools.org has some great resource files, including a section on what is, what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins. Um, I've given this out a million times already. Oh, free Israel. So nice to see you there. Zacho Thompson, as if you're oppressed. My God. He's on my TikTok trying to pretend to be, um, you know, a good person when he's clearly not. So I'm just going to block this person for being a Zionist. We don't need folks like him on here. Um, anyway, uh, so he needs to work on uh, understanding oppression dynamics, but why would he? <laughs> Why would he? Anyway, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. Um, yeah, I, I don't co go on here enough to have moderation on, on my TikTok while I do these lives. Um, but what I, I can say, uh, this is an example of do's and don'ts bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So AFSC.org. Uh, that teaches you kind of how to intervene in real life. Social media, obviously, it's its own world of just block Zionists. There is no sense in even having conversation with them. The same with uh, racist Canadians. I don't even bother. They are so happy being racist. Let them go be racist. And um, maybe one day they'll grow a conscience. I doubt it, but maybe. Anyway, <laughs> lots of uh, anti-racism um 
information out there and how to intervene. So um, I have shared multiple times anti-racism organizational lead for the city of Calgary's presentation on the journey of becoming an anti-racism leader. So if you are interested in doing anti-racism work, I mean, honestly, there's so many resources out there. I'm just trying to pretend like the city of Calgary cares. Um, but that presentation I watched from start to end, and I thought he did okay. It's just not decolonizing. Uh, Calgary Black Lives Matter activists Taylor McNally and Adora Nofor are being legally targeted. Please don't hesitate to go to Stop the Stack YYC to find out more. Um, Indigenous people have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize marginalized people in their budgets with gender equity plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote is going to directly impact negatively marginalized people, demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Um, I just want to acknowledge that the Office for the Child and Youth Advocate here in Alberta put out, again, I, I said it earlier, if it's not 50, it's 88 uh, children in care died, um, the majority being Indigenous, not a freaking peep from all these settlers who claim to be on the road of reconciliation. They don't know what reconciliation is. Provincially in Alberta, the Kenny government has 113 pathways to justice. The new uh, premier council on missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. I've looked it up. They're not doing nothing. But you're not pushing us. You're not pushing that. White Goose Flying Report. We're not seeing Calgarians pushing that. So denying that these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. You are abusing us, Canada. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in every institution from health, education, justice, with multiple reports that say the same thing, with solutions, demand change from election platforms and politicians if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism. They have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, everybody. Google articles on how non-Indigenous people can become allies because there's multiple of them out there. Uh, Stephanie Harp, uh, she's a, a spokesman. She's a rock star one, but she also is a spokesperson on um, violence against Indigenous women. And we had a podcast to talk about the AboriginalAlert.ca. So if you follow me on social media, you'll see that I am sharing their information a lot. She says that the Missing Children Society of Canada is also working on including Indigenous people more, but they have an app that you can download. Um, I'm a big believer that of obviously we need to have uh, people housed in order to not violate their human rights, especially on stolen lands. Uh, I've talked about the demand for urgent action on protecting the lives of Indigenous women, girls, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people experiencing homelessness, and I've heard a peep out of freaking nobody. So it matters to me 
I wish it mattered to more other people. Uh, they have lots of information for folks interested. Uh, the drug crisis, drug crisis is something that I talk endlessly about. Um, I encourage every status native in Alberta to get Narcan. You are entitled to one a day. You can give them out. You can keep them in your uh, car, in your medical kit, and and just give it out to people all the time. It saves lives. If you are a non-Indigenous Albertan, you have access to naloxone, should have it on you, should have it available, and you should be giving it away as well because you have access to pharmacies that... Uh, people who are experiencing houselessness do not. So also follow my friend uh, Ewan Thompson on Twitter. He always gives some good information on the drug poisonings that are happening. And uh, we are always setting new record highs because we don't care and invest into the problem. Anyway, if you or someone you know are, is using substances, please do not use alone. If you are using alone, you can contact the National Overdose Response Service at 888-688-NORS for support. Or you can also download the uh, Brave or Doors app. There's also a Lifeguard app that you can use. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything I talked about today and need to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also go to their website, hopeforwellness.ca. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. It is a toll-free 24-7 crisis line. And um, there's also a 60-scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta. Unfortunately, they do not have a toll-free line. But um, if you are a 60-scoop, a big thing I'm hearing at the AFN is a call for a national inquiry on all of those who are being scooped because our kids are still disproportionately being apprehended and we have the highest amount of kids in care than we've ever had and this has got to stop. So I know that there's lots of class action lawsuits happening. I just wish Canada would quit being a settler colonial state. Just let us have our damn kids, Jesus. Uh, Indian Residential School Survivors and Family Hotline is 866-925-4419. Native Youth Crisis Hotline is 877-209-1266. For non-Indigenous people, guess what? Because the reason why I say that is because those other lines are for like cultural, culturally supportive. Um, I've volunteered at the Distress Center as a colonized Native. Trust me, they do not talk about racism. Maybe they're doing better now than they were in 2000, but um, the truth is, is that culturally supportive lines you need if you're Indigenous. If you're non-Indigenous, you, there's usually a functioning 211. There's now the new national 988 number that you can use, or you can go to 833 4564566 or text at 45645. If you go to crisisservicescanada.ca, there are multiple crisis lines there as well. And of course, the kids help phone 1-800-668-6868. Uh, the following are two SLGBTQ crisis support lines. A uh, huge shout out always to the Trevor Project uh, for helping our two SLGBTQ youth. Uh, Lifevoice.ca has tons of crisis supports. The Trans Lifeline is 877-330-6366. And the Trevor Project for Youth is 866-844-7386. 
Violence is my everyday reality. Every indigenous generation has faced it. Free Palestine, you are in my thoughts and prayers. I don't know how to possibly comprehend saying the genocide that you're experiencing right now with the tens of thousands of people being murdered and how the international community is not stopping it. I, I feel you. And for the indigenous people witnessing at this, I, I feel you. Um, this podcast is self-care, how I take my power back. It's why I started it, to speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell us theirs, even if they know nothing about us, colonialism, constant surveillance of our people, protests, vigils, and our rights. I and many others share microaggressions daily, so it's just unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Again, I'll forward you that manual, but also if you read the TRC and the National Inquiry, lots about being trauma-informed there too. I just know most people aren't because they're just, I don't know if in humans the right way to say it, but just lack compassion. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping, uh, folks that survive off the status quo, other people who are so in their trauma that they stop people from um, being able to do the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous peoples, folks with disabilities, uh, QT, BIPOC, and others. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, to my granny. Uh, I miss you. I hope I hope the other side is good to you. Um, my mom, what strength looks like through your example. My dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My mom for, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family. Uh, through her, I learned about more of an immigrant experience. And um, through her, I'm a second generation Calgarian. To my husband, uh, thank you for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child and support down my journey of the red road. He has witnessed decades of discrimination, sexism and racism and to our child, who we are blessed to learn from daily. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope that one day my family will be proud of us in the future, trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin, pin posts on social media and whatever medium that you are listening podcasts from. Thank you so much for uh, subscribing to me on, you know, I, I just want to say thank you and wish you all a very Merry Christmas. If that's the holiday, a, a Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all of the uh, different holidays that everybody acknowledges. If you're in the Calgary area, I try to do sacred fires for every full moon. You are more than welcome to come to my house for December 27th. Just reach out to me. Let me know. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, are you being my dish? Thank you so much, folks, for listening. <laughs>